like the Seattle Sounders' feelings of insecurity and inferiority, the Koshcast is back. Where else to start but with Toronto FC and the MLS Cup, as we are joined by former TFC employee Asif Hossein as we look back at the big game, bask in the warm glow of a drunk Josie Altador, and look at who may be shown the door this winter. Then it's the Premiership where it's a case of coward at Old Trafford, a calvert at Anfield, and a convert at the London Stadium as Moyes breaks a heart but employs a proper goalkeeper. Finally, we'll react to the Champions League draw. Have Bayern got a buy-in to the next round? Can Messi break his Chelsea virginity? And who will win as Real and PSG go head-to-head in the Battle of the Holy Trinities? All this and more. Come with it now. for our rivals because, because, because listen, listen what they're saying listen the second best again and we got the triple for a one derby chance Toronto FC baby best team ever Everybody up here, every single day, goes into the office, into the laboratory, to try to cook up some great stuff for you guys. Because you guys, every weekend, come out in numbers and waves. You got the six on the way. I just want to let you guys know that I've been partying since Saturday. And baby, I'm TFC till I die. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Koshcast on underthekoshblog.com and at under underscore the kosh on Twitter. My name is Alex. Roche is here. Hello, hello. Bernie is here. Yo. And jo- <laughs> joining us, Asif Hussain. Hey guys, thank you for having me. This is an incredibly multicultural podcast and uh, it looks like Toronto. It's nice. Yeah, that, that is literally our claim to fame. Yeah. Yeah. And I've been told to keep uh, my hands off of everything in the room. So <laughs> I, don't, I don't really know what that's about. I don't know what they've heard. That, that was, I will do we it. don't think you're here to steal anything, no. first off. So. Nor, nor was it a sexual harassment disclosure. <laughs> it's, it's more just the microphone being incredibly sensitive. You know? Yeah, you went there, Alex, didn't you? I had to. You have to. Yeah. <laughs> it's a sensitive time. It is. You don't know what's hard. happening. Yeah. Um, so, uh, in case the listeners don't know, as if um, you were the community manager with Toronto FC from day one, 2006. Well, so. Oh, 2006, sorry, yes. I started in sales. In 2009, after our digital accounts were created, I was the first community manager. Right. Uh, then I got to travel with the team a little bit for a couple of years. Uh, got to see uh, the good and the bad. More bad back then than good, <laughs> um, as the record books will show you. And uh, it was an interesting time. Yeah, I mean, you you presided over a period of... Um Horridness. Yeah. Brutality. So, what, I mean, what was it like? What was the atmosphere at the club like? It's kind of new and exciting, but at the same time, nothing's going right. So the challenge back then, which uh, my pre- uh, successors currently don't have, is that you had to invent content. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> you know, it wasn't just given to you in yeah. a silver platter at the end of every 90 minutes where you're just like, oh, look, another shiny three points <laughs> and trophies. <laughs> um, it's uh, It was tough, uh, especially the year we got off to the 0-9 start at about 0-5, 0-6. Everybody knew where this thing was headed. And uh, <laughs> Rachel Bonetta was working with me back then, and we would just sit there on the sofa with the camera in front of us like, <laughs> So what do you want to talk about now, Rachel? I don't know. Some kind of a promotion, I guess. Some dumb... <laughs> Am I allowed to swear on this thing? Yeah, right. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, so some dumb shit here or there, you know, some some sponsor something. Yeah. And it was just tough because you were having to sell... Because our ultimate job, anybody that works at MLSC, you're all salesmen, right? Right. You're selling a product, uh, be it tickets or be a promotion. You're always constantly selling something. And it's very difficult to send sell things to people who are just demoralized <laughs> <laughs> in a week-to-week basis and we yeah. felt the same thing did, did you ever go to the club hierarchy and say something along the lines of like can you sign some good players so that we have something better to talk about well so here's the thing uh, every year we had a new coach so right. well, true. you can't say that they weren't embracing change it was just <laughs> they were embracing too much of it I believe there was a period we had something like nine coaches in eight years the Abramovich the, model yeah, right. If you count the uh, interims as well, um, so it is, and we're spending money as well. It, guys like Danny Kubermans and Torsten Frings weren't cheap. You know, it cost a lot of money to bring those guys over. It's just who was bringing them over when. Yeah. We also had Jurgen Klinsmann as a consultant for a while. Again, not cheap, and, and he's the one that settled us with the Aaron Vinter, Aaron Vinter era. the Ajax model that we were supposedly. Supposed yeah. to have or something? Uh, I don't think it wow. was the Ajax model. I think it was more like the Ajax model. <laughs> 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 yeah, those are some dark days. But yeah. it's interesting to see that this, uh, you know, the negative morale trickles down into other areas of the club as well. Oh, absolutely. Uh, the employees were devastated. Like, every day everybody felt it. Because those of us who were there from day one, or even those who joined a little bit later, mm. they knew that the fans felt something for this club that was irrational. Uh, Richard Petty, the old CEO at MLSC, used the perfect um, term for it, irrational exuberance. Um, they saw that it meant something to these fans, because they're making these banners and TIFOs and cheering and singing. Mm. And... They were holding us accountable as well, right. and which we knew that we deserved to be held accountable, mm-hmm. and you couldn't ask for more. Like They're literally the best fans in North American sport, and, I agree. and I we agree. owed them something, and we just couldn't deliver it, and it was killing us. It was difficult sitting in the press box after giving up another goal in the last 15 minutes. You know, We did it like 18 <laughs> times one year. <laughs> so uh, that should make, obviously... This achievement, Toronto FC winning MLS Cup on Saturday, all the more sweeter for people like you who have literally been through the dark time. Yeah, for sure it does, and it was really nice to be there. You know, I, um, uh, I I'll put my hands up and say I'm one of those people that was sitting in an MLS hospitality seat. Um, I am one of those guys. Well, I'm, good for you. I am, I am the enemy. Um, you are the liberal coastal yeah. elite. Look, I sold out. I like hardcore sold out uh, since leaving TFC. But uh, it was so good to see the guys that were there from day one. You know, a couple of the guys that are on the training staff, for example, uh, uh, Carmelo and uh, Marcelo, they, they have been there from the very beginning. They took care of really bad players, and now they're taking care of really good players. Mm. And everything in between. Uh, traveling with the team everywhere. They've seen it all, and watching those guys lift the trophy, uh, it was really special. And also my old uh, colleagues, uh, like Mike Massero, who is the uh, PR guy for the team, uh, the press officer, mm-hmm. uh, really good guy, probably the best press officer in the city. 
uh, and seeing guys like that, uh, Corey Ray, the assistant general manager, was an intern when I started at Toronto FC. Wow. Really? Yeah. Uh, so seeing these guys come up and get these trophies, they really deserve it, you know? And so that's what I feel really good about. I, I, I want to I I add to this, because you're talking about the best fans. And we went on a trip to Europe, the four of us. Um, was it last year? Or 2016. Year 2016. 2016. Yeah. And in, in Old Trafford, it was silent. Uh-huh. The Emirates was silent. Um, it was a bit better in Camp Now. Great, I guess, in the Olympia Stadion in Germany. And really amazing in Turin with uh, 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 basically Rome, Rome, empty stadium. Berlin. Sorry, in Rome. Rome, yeah. But... The semifinals of the Eastern Conference Finals, I think it was, against Montreal last year. Oh, my God. I can truly say nothing beat that. Yep. Nothing I, you, beat that. And people in Europe noticed because uh, on the Wednesday of last week, um, I did some freelance work for MLS. Uh, I interviewed a couple of Seattle players for Sky Sports uh, UK. Mm. Uh, so Clint Dempsey was one of them. And one of the reasons why Sky wanted some uh, to hype up the game a little bit is because of what happened last year in the Eastern Conference semifinals. Right. And they were very disappointed in what happened in the final, mm. <laughs> obviously. Uh, but uh, the game was at like 3 a.m. in England or whatever. It was pretty late, 1 a.m., I believe. Mm. So it didn't matter. But this time, it was a prime time game in England. It was like 9 p.m. So they wanted to hype this up. And Clint Dempsey had some uh, really good lines to send back to England because he played at Tottenham and he played at Fulham and he talked a little bit about it. Very typical American answers. One of his was... Uh, uh, he didn't like that he couldn't drive big cars around those old. Uh, streets. <laughs> it was kind of charming in his own way, yeah. right? Cause I he, mean, it only would have caused more problems for him. Yeah, you know, it would have. It would have. But, but any, it, it, so people noticed, and they know that BMO Field means something to the people that go there. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. No, I, ju- I was just wondering whether Dempsey was confident when you spoke to him. He was. Good. <laughs> he was quite confident. He was actually a bit down uh, because he didn't get to take part in the celebrations on the pitch as a player last mm-hmm. year so he thought maybe this year he could but he didn't and yay it's good yeah. for us so with all this new success for tfc does it make you want to jump back right into uh you know where you were in the club no not really uh, i think uh, once you've done it uh there's probably a expiration date for some stuff I, it really depends on who you are you know i've i've I worked in sports for 10 years, so after TFC there was the couple of Olympics, Sochi and then Rio, the Pan Am Games here in Toronto, they're absolutely fantastic. I've had a really good decade, it's been really nice, mm. uh, I think it's time for other people to um, enjoy themselves, And uh, but you know, what I really care about is the, the progression of everything that we started back in 2006 has now taken on other forms. Like we talked a little bit offline about Paul Byrne and mm-hmm. Ken PL. now Paul was my, one of my old bosses. And I want him to succeed just as he did in the business side of mm-hmm. Toronto FC because he's the one that went out and uh, courted supporters groups. Engaged sure with the fans, yeah. That's right. The South Side was sacred and they would never be touched. And uh, he took a lot of stick, but he also made a lot of friends and mm-hmm. they stood by him. And now they love the fact that he's trying to do something similar for Canada. Right. And if Paul asked me to come and help him out, not like as an official capacity, <laughs> you know, just like, hey, do you want to come and... Uh, do some social media work or whatever, absolutely I would. If I have evenings and weekends open, I'll definitely do it. And that's the kind of stuff that I'm really interested in. Yeah, we now have a great club in Toronto, but now we need to build Canadian soccer and yeah. make it into soccer. I'm down for that. Absolutely. And, you know, we're on record as loving the, you know, the idea behind the Canadian Premier League and wanting to see that happen. And it was interesting that you were talking about the kind of irrational support for TFC because what we're seeing now with the Canadian Premier League, and we, don't, we won't go down the rabbit hole here, but... There are supporters groups for teams that don't exist. Mm-hmm. 
building well, that's what Tifo, we, putting Tifos together. That's what TFC was. Creating scarves. Like it, it's yeah. it's not the level of support for this league is crazy and it hasn't even started. Right, because what Toronto really showed in 2006 is how starved people are in their communities mm-hmm. for, you know, some football that they can get behind. And one thing that, you know, you look at, so the guys that bought season tickets in 2006, 2007, uh, they're coming to stadiums with their kids on their shoulders now. You know, they're actually building that authentic community that... Uh, Teams that are 100 years old pride, yeah. pride themselves on. You know, yeah. my grandfather went here, but his father went here. And we're finally seeing stuff like that happen here now, which is, um, which is really special. So, like, if you're a, in Hamilton or in Mississauga, yeah, you're going to support your local team because yeah. you've already experienced yeah. a little bit of that with TFC. Yeah. And it, it, it was a beautiful sight when, in the game, Josie scored the goal because we were watching it together. And we had the feeling of, oh, is this happening again? Is Fry about to do this to us again? Sure, look like that. Eh? And yeah. you could feel just the the elation and Re- relief. It, it felt like, you know, people compare it to Europe a Champions League night when you score a last minute goal. This was a sixty something minute, and BMO Field went rabbit. Mm-hmm. It was unbelievable, and that brought me joy. I'm watching the game, thinking we're gonna win, but I'm looking. For me, I look at when, for example, when we came to Canada, two thousand seven. We, it was diverse, everything, what we love about it. TFC was bubbling, but this just made it all... It just took me back to that where I was like, you know, we have a team here. We didn't really watch it that closely, but we had a team here. And now we look at it and people are bringing their grandfathers and their aunties and yeah, everything to yeah. these games. And that moment encapsulated everything for me. Well, just to build on that a little bit. Well, it was you guys or maybe every other TFC fan who thought it was going to be one of those cases of it's going to happen again. But I always knew we were going to it. It was just a matter of time. But no, to build on that point, I mean, you'd seen some TFC teams in the past, you know, give up goals, not try hard, be sloppy in defense. But this this final encapsulated the new TFC in in control from start to finish, yep. completely dominating the game, yep. and then getting their result. Yeah, it's uh, so the old TFC would maybe take a 2-1 lead and then concede in the 80th minute. Then, <laughs> I don't know, something else terrible would happen. But this is... Um, fearless brand of football that we got to watch these last two seasons. Not just this season, yes. This season they won every single trophy that mm-hmm. was on offer. Even that one that our marketing team made up that Columbus still clings on to. Oh, the trillion. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it uh, sounds like a toothpaste. Um, but it, it was... What I really loved about this final is that it was a return to the form that TFC showed all season, yeah. which had gone missing in the earlier rounds of the playoffs, Absolutely. when it was just a bit more cagey, and there was without Altidore and Javinko against Columbus, and it was all just kind of get through the game. And you kind of felt the final might be like that too, but it was just an absolute masterclass. They dominated from the start to the finish. Seattle Vasquez interviewed after the game. He said, I don't know if you meant it to be this funny, but he was like, Seattle did nothing. <laughs> like, yeah. No, but also let's not forget that the first five or six games of the season, there was one win for TFC and about five draws. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So they started slow. But by the way, we're, we're, we're talking about players and absolute shout out to Michael Bradley. I thought he ran this game. He, he was everywhere yep. like he should be. And we gave him a lot of stick last year. I think this season, he was imperious. This whole season, he led by example and this game proved that. And we didn't seem to need the flash and the flare of my boy, who I think is the greatest to ever grace an MLS pitch, Javinko, because everyone else stepped up. I thought you were going to say Jonathan Osorio. I'm very disappointed. <laughs> I thought you were about to... He's my second boy. Uh, <laughs> I was like, do we have a Nigerian? <laughs> <laughs> we did a one. 
<laughs> uh, I think uh, Br- uh, missing that penalty last year really put a fire in Bradley. Um, he did miss a penalty, right? Am I remembering yes, that I right? Yes, I think he, he did. did. I think, so I remember after that happened, because remember there's a lot of rumors about him going back to Europe because ahead of the World Cup, you mm-hmm. want to be sharp playing as the best. None of that happened because they're not going to the World Cup. <laughs> hey, uh, but uh, I remember somebody uh, at Toronto FC, I forget exactly who it was, but one of my old colleagues saying to me, you know what? Yeah, he missed that penalty and it hurts, but I bet you now he comes back and next year he dominates. And I'm sure he was just saying things because you say things like that to make yourself feel better right. after a very disappointing loss. But that's exactly what happened. Yeah. You know, Bradley came back with something to prove and holy shit did he prove it. Yeah. yeah. He and the rest of the team promised a lot and they, they delivered it all and it was incredible. Um, so for the last kind of bit of this Toronto FC chat, we're going to talk about the um, protected list because mm-hmm. uh, obviously LA are joining the, the league. Bob Bradley's new LAFC. With their terrible marketing. With a terrible market. Maybe, maybe that, that's some way you could go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, fix that. Fix that. They have Will Ferrell. They'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, but because they're joining the league, TFC have to protect 11 players. Um, they've protected basically the starting 11, which means that um, here's the list of people that could go. Um, so you've got Oyvind Alseth, Brandon Aubrey, Stephen Betashaw, who they left unprotected last season. Mo will be happy about that. Yes, he will. Um, ben, Benoit Sheru, obviously, because he's 55. Armando Cooper, Raheem Edwards mm. is the one that I was uncomfortable with. Uh, Tsubasa Endo, obviously, it's the end of his TFC career. Well done. Um, Nicholas Hassler, a little bit surprising too, maybe. Lichtenstein's greatest. There you go. Uh, Jason Hernandez makes sense. Clint Owen makes sense. Drew Moore, again, he's old. Um, Mark Pice, who I don't know. And Toussaint Ricketts. Yeah, I love Toussaint. I, I, I do, but... I don't think the Canadians get picked up anyway, so... I think Rarely, it's, yeah. It's fine. I think what, if anything... Oh, they, they stay? I, well, I, because they take up a foreign right, yeah, roster right, We don't know if they'll right, stay. Right. That's up to Toronto FC, but I don't think... L- the only way LA will pick up one of those guys is if they can trade him back to Toronto, Vancouver, and Montreal to get some allocation money. Um, so, Irwin last year was, for example, picked and then traded back to Toronto mm-hmm. because what these teams need to do is build up their allocation funding so they can go out and hire... Right. Uh, more foreign players to excite mm. their fan base. Uh, so, so f- yesterday, LAFC made a big move. I think they brought in uh, uh, Walker Zimmerman, mm-hmm. 24-year-old central defender, uh, very typical American player, like all-American college star throughout. You know, uh, six foot three, somewhat athletic, as athletic as you can be as a central defender. Is he one of those guys that could have played five sports and then chose soccer? I- I think he might have been. 2013 was my last uh, MLS draft, and he was, I think, picked seventh overall, I want to say. That was the one where we had, like, two top picks, and we kept going down and right. down to um, get nothing, eventually, <laughs> uh, as it turns out. At the time, it looked good. But anyway, so they have that, uh, the guy, they have Carlos Vela now. Uh, they seem to be building a very American spine or American-ish spine, like athletic, aggressive guys. And then have some flair up top is, I think, what they're going for. But it's hard to say. They have, like, five players. Yeah. So we'll see what happens tomorrow. But, you know, um, is it's a good time for me to tell a bit of a Toronto FC expansion draft anecdote. Please. Sure. Okay, so on the topic of drafting players and sending them back, uh, before Toronto FC kicked a ball uh, in 2007, possibly the most unprofessional thing that's ever happened in the club's history happened at the 2006 expansion draft. Uh, so, 2006 MLS Cup Final, Houston wins it. Um, Adrian Siriu, who is a guy from Scarborough, mm-hmm. who uh, played for Canada many, many times, um, 
he thought that Toronto was going to pick him because he was told that Toronto was going to pick him. Uh, this is when Mo Johnson was our uh, general manager and head coach. And so he actually came to the Air Canada Centre as the expansion draft is happening. So we do pick Adrian Siriu from Houston. Then, what, two hours later? As I believe Adrian was still in the building, we trade Adrian oh. Siriu to FC Dallas, Houston's oh. rival, <laughs> in return for oh. Ronnie O'Brien. Okay. Uh, and, you know... <laughs> brutal. Absolutely <laughs> brutal. And it's uh, and his brother uh, Marcus was actually working on the sales team at the time. We were colleagues, and then uh, three of us and a couple of other people had drinks at the Madison later that night. And Adrian's a really nice guy. Like he jokes around a lot. He's uh, always smiling, making people laugh. We worked together later on Gold TV for a little bit. Um, and I don't think I'd ever seen him like that distraught. Like he was pretty sad because he was a Toronto kid coming to Toronto, right. ready to come to Toronto, standing there at the building where the draft was happening, the expansion draft was happening. I hope he could celebrate this when I really do <laughs> let the resentment go yeah. after I'm all. Sure he's not, I'm, not, I'm sure he's not resentful anymore. Right? Yeah. Like I think uh, he came back and he was a Toronto guy for a while, so I think he's all right. I think uh, I'm sure he's fine somewhere. Nice. Well, Bernie, you, you go to Texas a lot. You probably know how, how terrible that news must have been. And don't care about them. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, on that note, um, we're champions. And hey, 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 uh, hey. the parade was awesome. But, it was. We'll, we'll, we'll have to leave that one for Twitter because uh, it's time to do the English Premier League. Let's do it. All right. The title is over, boys. I think, I think we can safely say that now, can we? <sighs> Manchester United 1, Manchester City 2, Bernie and Roche, please. Bernie, begin. <laughs> what? I wanted you to start. Okay, fine. I'll do it. I can start if you want. Yes, please. I don't know what I'm going to say now. All right, sure. Um, so we're, we've both in recent weeks been very unhappy with Jose's tactics in big games. Yes. And once again, uh, you know, for a home game this time, we were disappointed to see that we were letting City play come at us wave after wave, and we only came out to, to play the game after we conceded a goal. It was an absolute disaster. Um, first off, let me give a little positive to Manchester United, just to start this off. City were not marauding as they have been all season. It wasn't that cut through you so easily. It happened in moments, but not throughout the whole game. It wasn't like that. But then again, United just said, hey guys, Lokers are going to watch and see what happens. City scored an unbelievably lucky goal with uh, David Silva. And then all of a sudden, United decided, well, we should have a, one, one attack. What? Yeah, yeah. Let's see how what? this goes. It, yeah. wasn't, it wasn't really an attack. It was a mistake by Adele. Well, I mean, even before that, Martial had a shot on target, which he I did. was like, oh my god. Yeah, yeah. Because they switched Rashford and Martial wings, put Martial on his right on the, the side he likes, and he dribbled past two guys and had a shot. And I said, I, this is weird. I don't know what this feels like anymore. Yeah. It was nice to see. It, I mean, it was like United decided that for five minutes in this game they would attack, and in that five minutes they scored one goal. Yeah. So. You know, if you if you extrapolate that out, <laughs> they, they could have scored more. Oh, it just made me fear. It actually made me furious that we scored the goal because <laughs> you because didn't deserve it, it. it. Even though obviously City are the better team, but it kind of it's that fortune favors the brave thing. It's that you decided to try and put them under pressure, and you got a goal. As lucky as it was, you got something out of it. You know, United basically went to a fight, lay down in the fetal position, and hoped not to die. Yes. Yeah, I guess the game plan was to take all the body shots and then come <laughs> yeah. out and hit a KO punch, just like we did against Tottenham earlier in the season. Yeah. 
And we were lucky to get that 81st minute goal in that game. In this game, I guess the luck was on uh, not, no one's side because really, like deflections, crappy goals by City. Yes, let's 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 be very honest. Both of City's goals were incredibly lucky and incredibly unfortunate for Romelu Lukaku because he had an assist for both. He had he both did. assists. He I did. think if this game taught us anything, it's get Lukaku out of your own box. Yes, yeah, it was. It, it made me furious on so many levels. And you know what the best part was? This is what. If there was a moment, because before this game, right, people were saying who was a better manager. I don't know why they were asking this question, but they were asking Mourinho Guardiola. The point in which I knew, 100%, with no doubt in my mind ever again, was Guardiola took off Jesus, brought on Mangala, and decided to defend. Defend? In terms of there was no striker, but he basically said, I dare you, Man United. I dare you to try something. Yeah. And we couldn't do shit. <laughs> you think so? I don't That's know. exactly what he did. I think he was being. You, we had a lot more of the ball, and what are you gonna do when you have Fernandinho playing a centre back next to Mangala? He's basically begging you to try something, and we didn't do shit. That upset. That that showed me. He's like, hey, you know what, Mourinho? I'm gonna play your game. I'm gonna do it better than you. And he did. Yeah. I see. Well, I mean, it's uh, Pep Guardiola's teams are always very much, um, well, not always, but lately they've been very disciplined. He's sort of got that groove back that he had at Barcelona where uh, the other team gets the ball for about three seconds and then somehow they get it back. And then, like you just said, when he decided to, I'm just going to step sit back for a little bit and let the other team play, he allowed that to happen. It was almost like he was toying with them in some ways, which was kind of... That's how I felt. Yeah. My soul was, was tarnished. It was like ripped apart at that point. Yeah. And you know, like earlier in the season when United was demolishing subpar clubs, and mm-hmm. you know, I, I don't know if that's the right thing to say to true. you guys. Uh, but, absolutely you know, true. 4-0 Crystal Palace, 4-0 West Ham. That was, uh, Lukaku was a different man during that time. He was scoring hat-tricks against Gibraltar, putting Cyprus, <laughs> putting Cyprus to the sword, but he was repeating that exact same thing in, league, in his league form as well. And I think um, one of the dangers with Mourinho is that you remember, like, when he was so dominant at Chelsea, he had Didier Drogba up front, mm-hmm. and then there was a bunch of other people just sort of furnishing the outside. Mm-hmm. But you had that one big central striker that really carried it on his shoulders. And he's really used to building teams that way, like parking the bus against quality teams and letting that one guy do it. And I don't think Lukaku is necessarily Didier Drogba. He's I not there yet. No. No. A uh, very good player and very talented player, but I think under a manager that could have a little bit more fun with his talent, uh, he could bag a few more goals yeah. than he's been doing lately. Absolutely. To be fair, that Chelsea team also never came up against Pep's Guardiola. Uh, sorry, Pep's Barcelona. <laughs> yeah. Pep's Guardiola. Pep's Guardiola. That sounds good. What is that? <laughs> <laughs> um, but but on the Lukaku thing, I thought I, I was listening to BBC on the weekend, and Ian Wright I thought made quite a good point, which is that when you're comparing Lukaku and Morata, Morata looks extremely comfortable playing on his own up front for an elite team, bringing other people into play. He's got, he's got various attributes to his game that Lukaku yeah. doesn't necessarily have. He's mm-hmm. a more rounded player. And a lot of people thought in the summer, you could hear a lot of people saying, but Lukaku's played so many more games. He's mm-hmm. scored so many more goals. Mm-hmm. But it was at a different level, and it was for different types of teams. That's right. Morata may have played less, but he played at the level that he needs to play, be playing now. I still think that was a fair thing to have said then. And I still think if, if it now, because if you look at their goal records for both teams, it's the same. Uh, Morata had a significant goal drought as well. People just decide, literally decide to forget about that because he's more technically gifted a player. But City also Lukaku. has several players with a lot of goals. No, yeah. 
But I'm saying for, for Chelsea, look at Morata. He's gone through a significant goal drought. No one cared. But I think the Fair. answer is because he brings more to the team when he's not scoring. Um, I wouldn't say that. And, I, and again, I'm, I'm, I've been against Lukaku the last couple of weeks. But if you look at the games where Lukaku has not scored, he's actually racked up the assists. Um, against Huddersfield, it was his cross that was Rashford's goal. The Pogba goal, the one that we loved that Rashford dinked it back, it was Lukaku's cross again. He's racked up five assists in that time that he has not scored goals. So he's actually contributed, and Martial for the Tottenham one, he's done a lot of great teamwork, more so than I think Morata could bring to the team. But then again, Why does it would look Morata like... miss those chances that Lukaku has missed? Absolutely not. Why does it look like such a struggle? That's my question. Maybe it's a perception thing. Like, maybe it is a perception thing. I think thing. it really is a perception thing because the media will build you up and then they will tear you down. It's also no, it's Manchester United versus Chelsea. That's just fact is it's a bigger team, bigger club. People care more about what Jose Mourinho's team is going to do than Antonio Conte's team. Sure. I mean, just to clarify, when, when I say perception, I'm not talking about media as much as when I'm watching Lukaku, other than shooting, everything else seems like more of a struggle. Yes. It does look that way. Yeah. Absolutely. I gave you no doubt about that. Yeah, I mean, I honestly, I haven't been watching Chelsea as much this year as I did last year. And uh, one thing that I'm noticing is that the confidence isn't really there, and maybe that's what's affecting his game a little bit too, potentially. And I think maybe he's not being singled out in the same way that Lukaku is being singled out. Because mm. he started, you know, like, I think one of, he was probably the hottest striker in the world at the time when the season started in the summer. Yeah. Um, and his drop-off has been more noticeable because United's drop-off has been more noticeable, whereas Chelsea never really played with that confidence at the beginning of the season. That's true. Yeah. That is very true. And people say the whole him and Pogba thing, they're friends, so Pogba's injured and he can't play, so he's dependent on his friend, which in a sense might be true. But that takes me back to City because their squad is so deep Thanks. that they can bring anyone they want to and do whatever the hell they want. They could have played with Sergio Aguero yeah. up front today, and they would have won this game. That's right. Like they, Gabriel Jesus did a great job. Sterling, Sané, they could have switched that for Sil the Bernardo Silva even. David Silva had a good game. But it's just, I, I'm still of the belief that, say, Pep 2004, mm. when did he first come to Premier League? No, no, Something like that? When, when was the Chelsea Barcelona? team? No, no. Oh, you mean Mourinho? So he's Chelsea Mourinho. team. Mourinho, though? Yes. Yeah. Oh, okay. Mourinho, Pat. to me, has lost a step. I mean, my point is that that team, that structure, the way that they played, could beat the Pep Guardiola team. Absolutely. I don't they had so. no fear. They had pace. They had power. And they scored a record number of goals in the Premier League. At, at they that, could do that, but he doesn't have that right now. At, at that time, though, uh, Mourinho's bankroll was like, Unprecedented. It was blank check. Yeah, and Ramovich <laughs> was the first of the big owners that came in and said, "You know what? Take whatever." Yeah. Well, it's very, it's very interesting you bring up those points because I actually feel that that Real Madrid side that was challenging Pep's Barcelona was actually not a. I was sorry, way stronger than the Chelsea side that Jose had in 04 and 05. They had better players. Yes, but I mean that. I mean that in the sense of this. So if you look at the teams that have absolutely just wrecked Pep Guardiola's, the Bayern Munich. Um, Ancelotti's uh, Anch Anch Bayern that was Munich, Heinkes, oh, and the Real Madrid, uh, I think it was Ancelotti, that, that team, those two teams played exact. I, was, I, I watched these and I go, that reminded me of Chelsea under Mourinho. 4-3-3 with pace and power. When was the last time you saw Mourinho play 4-3-3? I don't remember that happening since he left Real Madrid. And this is why I'm saying that he is done. I mean, he has regressed because he's scared. Those Mourinho teams actually still attacked. It, he's scared to do on so. On the weekend, he played Lingard, Martial, and Rashford. 
behind Lukaku. The thing is, they were all camped on their own 18-yard box, so yeah. it didn't matter. Martial was a right back. Could have been anyone. For goodness sake. Yeah. Well, like playing as a right back, basically. Yeah. When you already have one who's a winger already. I don't understand. It was quite impressive. What was also impressive, and we should move on, but what was also impressive was how much of absolutely nothing Zlatan Ibrahimovic managed to do. Yes. That was... I, I mean, I've never seen a less significant performance. To be fair, he was involved in a good chance. It just went off Ederson's neck in the end. He was involved as in, like, he was in the area? Yeah, he, he, he took the ball down, you know. Uh, Mata hit it out wide to Martial. Martial okay. sent okay. the ball. Right. That was about it. That was, <laughs> that was actually a fair, fair contribution given the course of the game. I can't believe that... I mean, Ederson cannot eat at this point. <laughs> Do you see his face after the ball <laughs> hit was, him there? It was... Bloated. Unbelievable. Yeah. And I'm surprised that he was able to fight Mourinho after yeah. the, after <laughs> the just game. just about to bring but, that up. Like, how did, how did he master up the strength to do that? Yeah, apparently he was shouting at him. So yeah, you know, but how? <laughs> recovered very quickly. Do, do we all think that City celebrated with uh, overzealous no. attributes? No. Yeah. They did exactly what you do after you beat your chief yeah. rival. So I, I would have done the same thing. Just Mourinho their, shooting on their, their pitch. Party. Yeah. Also, also, this is Mourinho wants us to talk about it, and so I'm really kind of reticent to do so. Because this is what he wants, right? Like, all I'll say is, you should have shown this bravado, Mourinho, on the pitch good. or before the game yes. than after the game like a cowardly He wants to talk about the referee as well. Though. Great. Yeah, no, absolutely not. And Herrera can, can go and yeah. do one. All right. Um, Liverpool won, Everton won. As if you're a Liverpool fan. Oh, I am. It's it's a sad time, 30 years. <laughs> okay, well, I was going to ask you, you know, how you're feeling, but there, there you go. Um, before we get into the years. game... Specifically, how are you feeling in general about Jurgen Klopp's tenure? I like Jurgen Klopp. Um, I thought it was a nice move to bring him on. I think he... Um, okay, I'm of two minds on this. I'm, mm-hmm. I know I'm wrong in that um, <laughs> this summer when he didn't pull the trigger and just buy any center back to replace Dejan Lovren, I thought it was actually a good move because they did... Uh, yeah, uh, you're definitely wrong. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Sorry, I'm, I'm talking. Past I didn't think tense. that was what you were gonna say. I'm taking, talking past tense. I think it was a good move in that because we bought Leverin for so much money mm-hmm. and just turned out to be a big bust. Why do you go out and just spend? Because center backs are such premium talent that yes. you have to spend forty million pounds for just anybody. And that's yeah. exactly Van Dyke what was we like did. what sixty million or well, something. Van Dyke. Yeah, yeah. It just kept going up. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Sometimes just like, hey, we fleeced you the last center back. Why not another one? <laughs> Um, but then he went out and got Keita uh, for next season, you know, and uh, Salah was a great signing, obviously. So he took care of the midfield and out. Mm-hmm. What he didn't take care of was the back. Mm-hmm. And at that time, I thought our attack would be good enough that it wouldn't matter. And it it's almost there, you know, mm-hmm. it's almost there because uh, we have a lot of draws. The reason we're not higher up in the standings is that we dropped a lot of points like... This weekend, for example, where Sadio Mane gets a three-on-one oh. break and doesn't square the ball, and yeah, um, that was bad. We and, pay for it. And to me, to me, that that's that's the crucial point. In that, there was a lot of talk after this game about oh, Klopp rested X and Y and started with this midfield instead of that, and I'm just like. Liverpool had the chances to win this. It did with their rotated lineup. The ga- game plan they, was the game d- plan wasn't bad. No, because they have eight ma- matches in twenty five days. You have to rest people yeah. sometimes. It's yeah. a team that do- it doesn't have a lot of depth. You know, if Salah or Mane goes down, we start to struggle a little bit uh, because the front four is basically what creates the fear. For it's the a wonderful team. front four. Oh. It is a wonderful, wonderful front, and when they're clicking, it's amazing. But you have to rest some of them because they have games every like three or four days right now, right through January second or so. Third. So let, let's get to the meat of the issue. Yeah. Penalty or no penalty? Um. Yeah. Penalty. Really? Really? Yeah. I'm sorry. It just because uh, 
Lovren has a reputation for being clumsy. Yeah. And if he's going to touch somebody, it's just going to happen out in the open. If... <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, I mean, if he wasn't shit, I think then maybe he doesn't. If he was John Terry, he probably doesn't get that call against him. So this is a reputational thing? I think it was a reputational thing. I really do think that's what it okay, was. Okay, so... I didn't think a Liverpool fan would say it was a penalty. It took me. It took me a while to come. I can tweet I, about it. I, I looked at it and I and I saw the uh, contact. If you call it that, and his yeah. arm doesn't move out or anything. Yeah. So was, I was like, what's, Robert, what's the action? So um, NBC Sports had Roberto Martinez in the studio mm-hmm. because uh, there's a lot of Belgians playing that day. I guess right, in yeah. different parts. Um, and he's and, bored. I mean, let's see. He yeah, he's very be. bored. <laughs> very, very bored. I have a lot of young, talented players. Uh, and uh, what he said is that in the English Premiership, that's not a penalty. And that I agree with. In the English Premiership, in Spain, that's a penalty probably 9 out of 10 times. Mm-hmm. In Italy, that's a penalty 101 out of 100 times. Yeah. Um, but I think in the English Premiership, you probably don't get that call unless you have a reputation of being a kind of a shit defender who <laughs> just like ruins people's lives. <laughs> it's interesting you bring up the <clears throat> reputation point because that's shouldn't be a factor when this call, this kind of call is football, made. Football is a very subjective sport. We yeah. like to per- throw the rule book at it. And actually, if you throw the rule book at it, it is actually a penalty. But because the subjectivity of the premiership known as a more rugged, right. you know, man's league, you know, that chauvinism that the English always portray, because of that, you think that's not a penalty, but... Eh. But, but it's also interesting to see because Lovren in recent times has improved. He has been terrible before, and we've all seen him being terrible, but he's actually been better. <laughs> Uh, I a guess. little, but arguably know, so. But there's a couple of issues there as well. Like Jordan Henderson and James Milner as a defensive uh, midfield <laughs> pairing is really bad. It's very bad. Winnie and Jordan Henderson also very bad. Uh, Jordan Henderson as a defensive midfielder very bad. is very bad. I, I, We're still going to win this game. I have a question about your defensive midfield. So Nabikato's coming in next. It doesn't exist, Bernie. Yeah. Well, oh, yeah, I know. No. Oh, okay. I know. Just, I, I'm, I'm <laughs> hypothetical. Okay. <laughs> so he's coming in next season. Seems to be a, a brilliant player. I didn't. I thought the idea of seventy five million for him was nuts, considering you can you bought him now for fifty six. But no that for me, the chasing him the whole summer means that Klopp knew there was a problem. Yeah. So that's that's what why I why live with it right now. I think I don't get that. I think he doesn't want to spend uh, good money after bad. I think he'd rather wait and build a proper team rather than just splash cash and then just get anybody. Well, well, there's no uh, what means point, point of order. Alex Oxley Chamberlain. Right. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Okay, he's not a bad, bad player. No, he's, just, he's, yeah. his squad depth. But he, he's squad, exactly. And we don't have a lot of depth, no. that. And he doesn't come in and replace Henderson in the middle. He comes out and runs on the right side or left side, depending <laughs> on who's injured. So, yeah. I, you know, we didn't get what we wanted to get. You know, we wanted to get more attacking players because the defenders just weren't available. Well, Salah is, I mean, that's worth every penny. Can Absolutely. we talk about Salah's goal? Because it was phenomenal. And just that left foot. It was great. It's yeah. like every week he's adding, he's scoring a goal that you didn't think he could the week yeah. before. It's like volleys the week you know prior, and then this week he's shrugging two people off and using his body strength. It, yeah. He's just magnificent. And for a player that moves as quickly, you wouldn't think he's as strong as he is. Because you when you're a Liverpool supporter, you're used to the Michael Owen syndrome, where you run really fast, pull up because you have a hamstring injury, yeah. and your career is over. So, uh, Mo Salah somehow doesn't do that. No. He runs really fast, keeps the ball, either passes it off to somebody else that can score a goal, or he just does it and himself. And stays fit. And stays Which fit. Which is very important. And is African Player of the Year 2017? Boo. What, what, what's your <laughs> Not problem? Nothing, I just felt like saying that. 
He's not Nigerian. Yeah, that's my problem. Who, who would you go for? Absolutely no one else. Alex, <laughs> you know, like Alex Iwobi? Like what? Well, sure. After the goal he scored against Argentina, I'll take that. Two goals? Just uh, the one goal. I mean, he's, in a, in he's, a friendly. De- he's de- he deserves that. Um, on a one Everton note, Samuel Dice, so far, so good. Um, how were they going to replace Romelu Lukaku's goals? Rune, Rune, Rune. I mean, if you're going to hand in penalties like that, they obviously. Just an anecdote about Egypt. Uh, LA FC, the second LA team. Bob just, yeah, they just signed an Egyptian guy as well. Uh, oh, yeah? Back slash defensive midfielder with 22 caps for Egypt. So they're building something. We don't know what yet, but there's some... There's some internationality. A pyramid. <laughs> Bob Bradley knows his Egyptians, obviously. Yes. So. Yeah, he did well there. He did. He He's did. a hero there. He actually is, yeah. They, they just like loved him because he stayed and didn't leave and like actually you know, yeah. adapted yeah. to the climate. Um, much like his son in Toronto. Um, <laughs> yeah, just on, just on that last Everton thing. Um, Rooney and Sigurdsson on either side of a 4-4-2. No one ever tell me that English managers are not innovative. No. That, that is something else. Yeah, I think I saw that is once with uh, Kuhn. <laughs> it's desperation, yes. Might that's exactly. Desperation. It's like anything, it worked, but anything is better than Aaron Lennon. Yeah. Um, West Ham 1, Chelsea 0. We kind of touched on this a little bit, but um, David Moyes actually smiled after this game. Yes. I don't think I've ever seen that before. It's um, weird. They actually played well against City in the previous match. Yeah. Yes. Unlucky to lose. Yes. Uh, and now they showed their medal with the win against Chelsea. Um, with deserved, an early goal. They deserved it too. Arnautovic did something good. Standard Moyes. A, a goal in the second minute against Barcelona in a game that still gets spoken about today. <laughs> so see <you> that. <laughs> so Arnautovic actually came out, I think it was today or yesterday, he said uh, he credits David Moyes, obviously after a player scores his first goal of the season, he's going to credit the new manager because he's been shit all year. Uh, he actually said that Moyes is making the team tougher and... Um, one thing that I guess he was trying to allude to is that he's not playing to sentimentality. A Brit dropping a former England number one like yes. Joe Hart that he did. Um, you don't see a lot of that happen in England all the time because there's that. Because yeah. especially in the London club. Absolutely. I mean, you know, uh, West Ham is one of those clubs that's just full of. I'm going to be very generous here, idiot England supporters and, um, that really played the home favorites. And I think this was a really courageous move, and it worked. And I think that's probably why he smiled. And yeah. if Arnautovic just comes out and scores a goal every now and then, and they stick with this toughness and being very, um, uh, I guess, not rigid is not the right word. Um, I don't know. Disciplined. I don't know what, yeah, disciplined. Uh, and they just have to pip a result here and there. Then I think they can start climbing up the table a little bit. Maybe not to, like, you know... Yeah, I, I think it's, it's interesting because you never would believe this, but it feels like the Sunderland experience made him better because he played with a bunch of players that didn't give a shit. It's and he is game. Manchester United's rightful successor to Alex How Ferguson. dare you bring that <laughs> <laughs> I'm just... I, I'm encouraged by this. You know, I'd quite like Moyes not to be totally horrendous. But it has only been three games. So I'm just just a little word of caution. Can we be nice to Moyes for once I'm, in our I'm lives? I'm trying very hard. Why? Okay, fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, yeah. Uh, on out of it, you're right. He will score the occasional goal. One in every, you know, six, seven yeah. games. And if they finish mid-table... Actually, I want them to finish mid-table... Give Moyes some money to spend and see what he does with well, it. That would be. He is a bit of a mid-table specialist, though, right? I mean, that's what he did at Everton. Teams that had no reason to be in the top seven or eight regularly finished there and played with a lot of courage and punched above their weight. He got in Champions League that one year. He did. He was basically Sean Dyche before Sean Dyche. I'd rather have Sean Dyche. Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> um, Spurs, five. Stoke, one. Stoke. 
cannot play Tottenham. They can't do it. The last four results, 4-0, 4-0, 4-0, 5-1. You know it would be better if they actually just didn't show up. Yeah, then, yes. then it would be 3-0. Yes. Yeah, they yep. defaulted. They're only five points clear of last place right now. This is, the, this is how far Stoke has fallen. That um, fear of going to Stoke and having a really tough match... Mark Hughes hasn't really brought that home this I, year. I feel like he, he <laughs> deliberately dismantled it. He did. He like he got to rid be of stylish. Yeah, he got yeah. rid of the tall hard nuts and got in like Bojan and you know so, Shakiri. So is it Pulis time again? It might be Pulis time again. <laughs> well, he thought Sam Allardyce time. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody else says. Or Hardson time. Yeah. We're running out of candidates very quickly. Yeah, and uh, the they keep saying that the offense will go through Shakiri, but it, it can't. It, it's it's just not there. If you just man mark him out of the match, it's over because uh, Juve isn't doing much in going up front. He no. looked really every quite... now and then he gets a goal and yeah, but that's every now. And but then. he looked so out of sorts uh, this weekend. Every time he got the ball up front, he didn't know where to look or who to find. I'm not surprised because he plays wing back half of his life, and then they throw him up front, and then he's back and forth. And... Yeah, but their their defense is just trash, and they thought that Vimmer and Zuma were going to really help them out, but mm-mm. See, see, that's the thing. You just can't go around and buying shitty center backs. <laughs> that's yeah. just what Klopp refused to do this summer, and I kind of grudgingly respect it. Except that we don't have any alternatives. Yes. I mean, it is interesting, though. Like, at the start of the season, if you'd have gone, right, back three, Shawcross, Zuma, Vimmer, you'd have thought it'd be all right. Not great, but like... But 11th. Yeah. I'm I'm just saying, this idea of a back three... People need to stop. <laughs> yeah, People okay. just really need... I don't care that Conte won the league with it or Van Gaal did it in the World Cup. People need to stop this. Now they're just letting their clubs go to shit because they want to play with the new continental formation. Yeah, no, go with four, please, and thank you. And those two managers had really good players. Yes. <laughs> that's, that's true. All right, now that we've spoken about Stoke so much, let's go and talk about Spurs a little bit. 5-1, they just drew a few games. It's a good result for them. Finally. They really needed yeah. this. They really needed this. Kane has looked... Out of sorts. Out of sorts, unfit, missing chances. He got a double. Son has been their best player lately. They, yeah. They've kind of... They, in fact, talking about switching from the three at the back, they've played four for the last couple of games to get Son in on the left. And mm-hmm. he's been by far their most effective player. Dele Alli's still a little bit... Better game. Still, I mean, he's still a little bit suspect to me. I'm not sure if what's going on there. Something... He's young, so yeah. he's bound to be inconsistent. And that's okay. But something they might want to just check upon. Well, service resumed with Ericsson beating players and hitting his crosses in. Um, a good week to Captain Kane, though, in fantasy. Yes. Everyone seems to have done that. I did. <laughs> I, I stuck with Salah myself. Uh, not bad choice. Worked out okay. Um, another team that really needs to stop playing three at the back. Arsenal won. Southampton won. What are you doing? What? Just what are you doing? What? Like, <laughs> like what is going... What do you expect? Like, okay, hold on. He's not here, so I'm really looking forward to lambasting Mohamed because he came out with some stupid statement that, well, in the forum we're in, we can get maximum points from United, Southampton, and whoever he jerks we play that. against. He did say And that. I said, that's not going to happen because Arsenal fans get swept up in good form and think they're going to win the league. I even got swept up in it two weeks ago. I thought that I, I sent out a tweet something like, I don't think we can count on Arsenal to drop points for us to make the Champions League this year. Oh, yes, you <laughs> and then a week later, I, I tweeted out I was wrong. We can totally That's count on it. And, 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 you know, I could have been forgiven for, <laughs> I thinking, a lot. for thinking Arsenal would have had some sort of response to losing to United last week after such a good performance. Mm-hmm. But here they come out and they need an 88-minute Giroud equalizer it was bad. Well, yeah. I mean, you talk about Arsenal fans getting swept up. Arsenal fans genuinely 
I saw on Twitter got swept up by the loss to United because of the performance because, and because right. of how many chances it created. It was like, yeah, we lost, but look at that performance. Isn't that been Arsenal for the last decade, maybe a decade and a half? This yeah. is like this is pretty why they simple understand. that doesn't lead to trophies. Mo said, yeah, there are a lot more positives and negatives. I just looked at him right in the end. I thought, you're doing this. Which is fine if your club occasionally wins something. Yes. You know, but <laughs> if it has had a long drought. FA Cups, man. Sure. No. Yeah. Right. We we win a lot of FA Cups. That's not my problem. You do not win the league, and you're not getting the Champions League again. Liverpool used to win a lot of league cups, but then Rafa Benitez. You, you won the you won four cups in one season, didn't you? We did 2001. Four or three? Well, oh yeah, the, there's three. If you count the Super Cup, Euro Super Cup. Oh, yeah, yeah. Gary McAllister. I think it was five <laughs> trophies that year if you count the Community Shield. It was five. Okay, let's go fire. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, Arsenal might win the Europa League because they've been drawn against Sweden's Ostersund. The pathway to the Champions League, man. There you go. That's, it. That's how Manchester United does yeah. it. Um, who, uh, this is a team that has apparently gone up like four divisions in six years. Are they the one that are managed by the Englishman? Yes. I can't remember his name. Yeah. That was a that was a great story when I read it, if I could only remember it. They also have an English defender, I think, who is an Arsenal fan and he got you know, asked what yeah, how he felt about being drawn against his, his own team. And he said that he really wanted to have a chat with Arsene Wenger and find out what he was doing with his team selection. <laughs> <laughs> so that's good. Um, just the last couple points. Alexis Sanchez is... He was absolutely horrendous in this game. He gave the ball away so... He gave the ball away 34 times against Manchester United, mm-hmm. which is astonishing. <laughs> and in this game, it felt like the same... Thing. And then he has the assist, and it's uh, all good. Do you wish that uh, you had sold him and got that player from Monaco uh, in in the summer, the one that both of our clubs are chasing? I yeah 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 yeah. I mean, I wish we just yeah. sold him in general. Okay. Because as much as he still puts in effort, something has has noticeably changed. He's not anywhere near as efficient as Arsene likes to say, or effective as he was before. And he's just giving the ball away. He's just like everything. His ends mind's, with his mind's him. not right. No. His mind's very not right. It's time to go and bring in Draxler, although some people say Mahrez. But hey, we'll see who you got. Well, we'll we, we, we shall see. Also, Mertesacker should never play again. Um, last few results. Burnley 1-0. Watford, they, they're still killing it. They had a little blip recently, yeah. but Scott Arfield. Canadian. Anyone want to do the anthem? Or? No. 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 Okay. I don't like anthems during club games. So I, agree. Yes. I actually agree with that. I actually person. knelt during the American one just for fun. <laughs> also, and I, nobody can say anything because you're black. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I was actually looking up Scott Arfield on Wikipedia the other day, and it turns out that, and you know, you've heard him speak. He's Scottish, ostensibly. Mm-hmm. Um, his dad was born in Toronto. That's it. <laughs> that's it. That's, that's all it. we need. That's it. Well, that's all people ever needed to leave Canada to play for other countries. True, so, true. I mean, this... The, Looking at you, Asmir. But there's something about a Canadian player in Turf Moor, a very gritty place, in the snow, scoring the winning goal for a team that's the most, you know, the least fashionable team probably in the top six right now, you'd say. Well, that's about in the top six, oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. That's definitely. That's yeah. Yeah. definitely. All right, uh, Crystal Palace 2, Bournemouth 2, uh, Benteke. He apologized today. He did apologize. Hodgson accepted the apology, but you can't do shit like this when your team is fighting for survival. But yeah. You just can't. And it's not is, about you, man. And like I feel it's... like this is one of the reasons Klopp dropped him when he inherited him at Liverpool. People forget that Benteke was a Liverpool player now, but yeah. it was a thing that happened. Ma- Roberto Martinez must have been really upset because his, his top two strikers are shit right now. It, 
you know, Benteke yeah. can be a bit of an asset when, again, used very um, sparingly against uh, tired defenders and wearing them out and just using his body to get in there and wreck some shit. But then when he's counted on to make decisions, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is what surfaces. Well, imagine Belgium in the Euros. They're 1-0 down last few minutes. Fellaini and Benteke up front. Lob it up there and see what happens. That'd be funny. Yeah, <laughs> be great. I'd pay to see that. That's a plan B. <laughs> um, I look forward to seeing Gary Cahill trying to deal with it. With that being said, two-two for Crystal Palace. Another point picked up. Yeah, except they Hudson, had the chance in the last amazing. second to win it. Like, yeah. yeah. Anyway, Newcastle two, Leicester three. Uh, Riyad Mahrez returning to form to such an extent that Arsenal that uh, Mohamed wants Arsenal Mohamed to buy him. Mohamed's not Arsenal. That's you know, that's what it is. Yeah. All right. Uh, anything more on the Premier League? No. Let's uh, move on of the week. Let's do it. I do more more. One thing we are no sha Mumu no fit sleep forever. One day Mumu go wake up. Ladies and gentlemen, our new sponsor, XTSC. Extreme Toronto Sports Club, XTSC. Offers the best co-ed, men's, and women's recreational leagues across the city. Get your soccer fix with Extreme Toronto Sports Club. Sign up today at xtsc.ca. xtsc.ca. Go to xtsc.ca and use the code 2017REDSKOSH. That is 2017REDSKOSH when you register for soccer leagues. DM us on Twitter at under underscore the kosh or email under the kosh blog at gmail.com for details. Mumu of the week time now, and we'll start with the, uh, the historical great Sheffield United, who managed to spell their own name wrong hmm. on their own calendar. Like one F. So, uh, what would that be? Sheffield United? Sheffield. 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 Is, is that the, the, what's that word? Okotor version. Sheffield United. Maybe. Yeah, they could stick an accent somewhere. You know. So they sold this? Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Like, it's out, it's printed. I mean, again... This is one of many stories in which we've kind of thought that a club employee must be getting sacked in the morning. How so many what, units? What you're saying is that you don't like the rebranding of Sheffield United. <laughs> <laughs> Sheffield United. No, no. Okay. I, think, I think they should have gone with the classic, if anything. Yeah, I think uh, Sheffield. Two Fs, because, I mean, at least they well, they only give one F. Did Sheffield Wednesday also change? Yeah, that's a good question. <laughs> is that it of Derby good. anymore? Yeah, maybe not. Did they move? (laughs) Um, Someone who should move, or, you know, switch allegiances, Josie Altidore. Maybe Michael Bradley. No, no, he can stay here. No, 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 I mean stay, but, you know, switch passports. Move his passport office. Yes. (laughs) Um, He and and Bradley have been getting a lot of hate recently, you know, because they didn't qualify for the World Cup. And Americans are quite angry about this. And, uh, you know, it's kind of been been uh, rubbed in their faces They're now. They're angry mm-hmm. people for the last 12 months. I just wonder why. That's kind of understandable. Yeah. But, you know, the, the other day, Toronto FC tweeted a picture of Josie and Michael Bradley and said, don't at us. Yeah, of them holding the MLS Cup. Aimed squarely at Americans. First response, why not? Mm-hmm. Uh, a few positive ones. And then, at Leslie Bridgebasey, Says, couldn't get us to the World Cup, though. Settling for MLS Cup. Dot, 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 dot. It, yeah, I mean, they're the only two players, apparently, that couldn't get them to the World Cup. It wasn't <laughs> as if there was a whole team and a dysfunctional management that changed coaches in the middle of World Cup qualifying. I mean, we're willing to overlook all of that and put the, all of that on um, Josie and Michael, which I think is really fascinating. I'm pretty sure 
not mistaken, they drafted in Josie and Michael um, Bradley into the Gold Cup. Yep. You know, you can change your team halfway through and all that. Yep. And they won that on their backs. But hey, we're acting like Clint Dempsey didn't play in these games, aren't we? Conrad J. Steen, at Toronto FC. Happy for Toronto. Fuck these two for no World Cup. Ooh. I'm curious though. Like we don't. Maybe we're not looking at the uh, non-Toronto players' accounts. Do they get the same treatment? Or is it <laughs> 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 it's true. I mean, true. we don't know for sure. But it's still it's so weird. It's like and also this idea that Americans have that they deserve to go to the World Cup. Like I, why? My, uh, so what are they gonna watch now? Can I never guess to the World Cup? No. Right. We should start hating on Canadian players every time. I don't know, Osorio, like, fuck you, bro. <laughs> like, we should start doing stuff like that. I'm down. Yeah, David Edgar. Come on. <laughs> Pull your thumb out. That's going to offer you. I do more, more. One thing where I know, Sha, Mumu no fit sleep forever. One day, Mumu go wake up. The Champions League draw is out. Some tasty fixtures have been lined up. Uh, who's got a favourite? Anyone? Uh, go through the list and then let's, right. uh, let's see. Fair enough. Juventus against Tottenham. That's my favourite. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a great, that's a great fixture. I, I, I would love to see Spurs pick on Juve. I, so I tweeted this morning that I thought Tottenham were a bit unlucky to get Juventus after navigating the group that they, that they did, mm-hmm. but that they had a, a chance. And a um, uh, friend of the pod, Thiago, uh, reply, replied and said... I would say Juventus unlucky, but they have a chance. Hmm. So it's are they evenly matched? Is that what we're we're trying to say? I think if you look at Spurs' Champions League form and Juventus' form overall, I, yeah, I, th- I think Juve have plenty to be scared of, and I think Spurs can go into this without much fear. I think Spurs overachieved a little bit last year, and I think this year they're sort of back to where they normally should be, mm. uh, and. Uh, I don't know, this match against the Celtic of Italy. Um, I think it's, uh, <laughs> so, you, so you think Spurs norm- normally should be beating Real and Dortmund, crushing them mercilessly? They should normally be doing that? Yeah, well, they're back to their normality right now. Right, yes. I don't, I don't think they should normally be uh, challenging for the title. I don't think they're that good, which they almost did last year. Yeah. Um, but it, Juve, this has not been their season. They've not been all that great. So if there's ever a time for Spurs to really show their credentials in Europe, although beating Real Madrid 3-1 will, do, will, will be that. But this is the time, I think. Yeah, and, and I would say also, if there's anything going for Spurs, it is that Juve have a relatively old team. They don't have many players with any pace. I'm thinking Alexandro, Kwara Asamoa. That's basically it. Yeah. So if Spurs can get at them with the kind of physicality and the, and if they play at a tempo that the Premier League is played at, mm-hmm. I think Italian teams have historically struggled against that in the last kind of 10, 15 years. Given that Juve is struggling in domestic football right now and they have this massive tie right in February. Maybe we see an active January transfer window, which we don't always see with Juve because they're usually Maybe. so far ahead of everybody that... Maybe Juve should go out and sign Spurs' best player. <laughs> I mean, maybe that's the move. Get Hungry and Son in or something. Yeah, exactly. Cup tied, can't play. <laughs> there you go. Um, a less evenly matched affair. FC Basel, Manchester City. Let's not even talk about it. 4-0 <laughs> both legs. 15 nothing. I believe. Fifteen? Eight and seven. Moving, moving on. Eight, eight yeah. and seven, or is it like a nine and six? Or what do you think? Mm, am I? Are you actually asking? I, th- I think they're better away from home, so I think they're going to crush them. Like more away. I'll go
Uh, okay, uh, Porto against Liverpool. I see how you feel. Uh, we struggle a lot against Iberian teams. That's it's true. A thing that happens. Sevilla in the uh, Europa League final a couple mm-hmm. of years ago. Sevilla this year, um, and then I think Benfica has knocked it knocked us out in the past. I think Porto once has as well. Uh, all under different managers and stuff, obviously. Um, but I feel good about it because Klopp feels good about it. Um, he thinks that between now and February. Liverpool's going to do some work. I think he hinted that maybe there's some activity happening in the transfer window. Um, defender, maybe. <laughs> maybe Goretzka. I think you're interested in him. Well, Klopp. he's on a free at the end of the season, though. Like, if you get him now, you'd have to pay for him. I mean, yeah. if you know anything about Klopp, he'll do anything to get, get a guy now. Surely the attack is fine. The attack is fine, but you need a little bit of depth. Though. So many things could happen between now and February. He said, I think the quote was like, we have like 20 games between now and February. I'm paraphrasing, obviously. Mm. And he's been burned before when Mane went down uh, last yeah. year. That really just ruined uh, yeah. January because yeah. Coutinho uh, was marked out of every match. Um, it's a little bit better this year with Salah there, but if something happens, we don't know. But I feel good about it because I think our attack looks good right now. Um, I think uh, we've been unlucky. We're unlucky on Saturday, but I think against Porto, I think we can pull through. I, I agree. I think Liverpool go through here. I, I expect both teams to win their home games, but Liverpool can win by a higher margin. Second leg at Anfield yeah. as well. I yeah. think that's important. Sevilla, we were just mentioning, mm-hmm. uh, against Manchester United. Uh, 1-0 away, 2-0 at Old Trafford. <laughs> really? 3-0 aggregate. Sevilla aren't going to do anything, and United aren't going to do anything, but they'll go through. I don't know. I think we're going to park the bus away. Not, at least. not to Sevilla. Maybe even at home. Not to Sevilla. He's, he's not that ridiculous. <laughs> I don't know. Sevilla are a pretty decent team and they're quite they're attacking. Fourth in La Liga yeah. isn't bad. Yeah. That's a... uh, I, no, it's just not going to happen. I, I, I do share your... Yeah, I, I was saying to Asif before we started that I think there is a kind of inevitability about Manchester United winning this, whether they deserve to or not. I think there's an inevitability about Mourinho moving on to higher yeah. rounds in Champions League. Yeah, this is just what he does. Later. Now, it seems that way, but I do want to highlight when United dropped into the Europa League a few seasons ago, we, we matched ourselves with Athletic Bilbao, who crushed us completely. <laughs> so we well, can't take this thing We're talking about a Ferguson team that literally did not care. Sure, but it is a Spanish team. They're very good in these competitions. You can't take them lightly. Well, wasn't that the time of like you know Fletcher and and uh, O'Shea and the De Silva twins? Yeah, in but then like the next season they went to the final or something. So I, I don't know. I'm just I, I'm not. And Mourinho navigates Europe better yeah. than anybody. So to, but he does it in a way that you just don't care for it. So that's why I think this is going to go. Yeah, overall United will win. All right, here's the standout round. The standout sorry tie of the round. Real Madrid against Paris Saint-Germain. It's the cash money derby. It's the corporate elite against each other. It's evil. It's, it's Qatar <laughs> against Spain. Uh, I mean, this is just going to be absolutely fascinating. Um, apparently, rumors Neymar is already signed for in two seasons for Real Madrid. <laughs> apparently, that's a thing. So it's a Neymar derby in essence. Yeah, you, you've got to love the Madrid media. They're going to get more and more ridiculous as it gets closer yes. to this tie and try to unsettle as many PSG players and its fans and management as possible. I think I think Real Madrid goes out. I think uh, this is finally a time where PSG does something in the Champions League. I think this year might be it. It should have been a couple of seasons ago when they bottled themselves against Barcelona. <laughs> bottled <laughs> themselves. Which is true. Yeah. Which yeah. is very true. Four 0 no, they won. Four 0 at home. What more do you want? Oh, really? They were, and, it was. And, yeah. and Real Madrid's form this year hasn't been on really, and I think, I think it's finally time for them to you know step out. I have rebuild. a strange feeling that the bottling sensation is going to come right back. <laughs> I, I don't know what it is. There is no real logic to it. All of a sudden, Gareth Bale is going to be fit. 
Ronaldo is going to come back to what he did last season, Being which was start off trash and then yeah. start again. It's just going to miraculously come to Tijerama score a last-minute header, and they're yeah. going to go through. I just feel like that's what's going to happen. They own I'll this competition. On, yeah, I'll be honest. I just want them out. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. I'm okay with that. But, but, but Bernie, yeah. I can give you some logic. I can give you some logic, which is that Roche is right. PSG 4-0 at home, mm. bottled it in the second leg, and their response to that was to go and spend the better part of 300 million on two forwards. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And let Matuidi go. Yes. And so you, you've got a midfield that's still somewhat reliant on Thiago Motta, who's like 90. And then the defence, Danny Alves looks his age finally. The, the, Thiago Silva is not what he once was. They, this squad is not balanced. This team is not balanced. And if Real Madrid pick up any form in the second half of the season, which they often do, right. this could get messy. It feels yeah. like with a competent defence, which if you ask me which of the two can muster a competent defence, probably Real Madrid... Real Madrid will win because their attack is going to come to the game and we know PSG's attack comes to the game so that's where they're going to well, find it's, the difference. It's also a cup competition and Real Madrid have owned this cup. You know, Three out of the last four seasons they've been winners. PSG bottling themselves. They're packaging, <laughs> packaging plan. But they also do not have team cohesion. It's Neymar versus Cavani. It's always an internal battle with these guys. Yeah. At least Real Madrid is Ronaldo and then the rest <laughs> fall in line. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, Chata Donetsk against AS Roma. To me, what jumped off the page for me was that this is exactly the time of team that Roma tend to lose to. Yes. Like, they're not yes. great, but they'll find a way. I, I fully agree, but it's also a shame that uh, Roma, I think Roma are traveling the farthest away for an away game, if I'm not mistaken. It's not, never an easy game in Ukraine. Actually, actually I'm mistaken. It's Bayern and Besiktas, but we'll get to that. Yeah. 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 Okay. Um, Roma. Really? That said, Roma. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. I think Roma are going to bottle themselves. <laughs> I mean, they're in the second round. I don't remember the last time they were in this position. That's true. So I feel like they have improved themselves and they are no longer the same bottling factory. That they, they, <laughs> they, were, they were very impressive in the group stage against Atleti and Chelsea, who you wouldn't really have given them much of a chance against. Yeah. Well, the argument is how many times have you seen them or expected them to win and then only draw 0-0 at home and, and give Juventus the two points domestically? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think Roma will go through. Okay. Fine. Uh, <laughs> no Shakhtar fans in the building. All right. Um, this one's great too. Chelsea against Barcelona. Um, was was the last time this happened? Was that the it's an F in disgrace thing? Tom, no, Tom Henning over Bo. No, 2012. That's right. That was Torres and Gary, Gary Neville. Oh, <laughs> right. Yeah. And Messi missed the penalty. Before that was the absolute robbery. That was the Stamford Bridge game. You know, the more I see the highlights of that game, the more shocking it gets they over did. the years. I mean, it, on the plus side, it gave us the greatest Champions League team we've ever seen. Pep Guardiola's yeah. Barcelona. Yes. The first taste of defeat from Pep. Even though it was robbery. And wasn't that uh, standing still Ronaldinho goal against Chelsea oh, as well? Yes, it was. Yeah. What a goal. What a goal. These two have put together some real shows over time. Yeah, yeah. that's true. A, Absolutely. I mean, Chelsea's not in good form. Uh, Barcelona is in very good form. Mm-hmm. I think Barcelona takes this one in a walk. Yeah, I, I would argue that these are kind of lesser forms of these teams than we've seen come up against each other in the past. Oh, for sure. Yeah. But but I think Chelsea Chelsea genuinely have the kind of, the the weapons to hurt Barcelona. It's just a question of whether they kind of turn it on. Nope. No. Uh, no. It's 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 a tactical one. If Chelsea's plan goes perfectly, they could come with a one 0 at home. Maybe a which Chelsea away. shows up? Chelsea lost to Palace and West Ham. Right. Or, or the one that beat. But now we, they're playing Barcelona. You know, it's, it's but do they, does Chelsea turn things around and come the new year? Right, That's, that's the question. Here, here's another question. If you could design a player to man Mark Messi, would it not be N'Golo Kante? That's a very good point. 
Yeah. Mm. I'm not saying it would work. No, it would always be Javi Martinez. Because he did it. But he's really slow. I know. But not now. (laughs) But what about, can you stop Conte? Can Barcelona stop him? I don't see anyone that can stop him from from doing what he does. Not Paulinho or Rakitic? (laughs) (laughs) Or Busquets. No, but I still think Barcelona go through like 3-1 on aggregate. Suarez is definitely scoring. Yeah. Yeah. Messi will score finally. Yeah. That's true. Oh, yeah, he's never scored against Chelsea. Yeah. Right. Which is so weird. All right, Bayern Munich uh, will be thankful that they've got Besiktas. I mean, no disrespect to uh, mm. Besiktas fans. We know mm. a couple. But Besiktas did brilliantly to win their group. Yes. This may Over be... Porto, right? Yeah. yeah. But this may be a step too far. 5-2, uh, Angria. <laughs> if you're saying 5, why not say 7-2? Seven? Seven, no, because I don't think it'll be that brutal. I don't think this Bayern Munich team are as cohesive as they could be, although they've stabilized under Hankis. And Besiktas are pretty fun. So I think they're going to go for it gung-ho, and uh, yeah. they'll they'll scare Bayern a little bit. I'll say they, they, they win 2-1 at home, Besiktas. Okay, but, how many, was 6-0 in Bayern. but how many yellow cards? That's the question. That's... That, that, that is a good question. I, th- I think Bayern Munich goes through, uh, I think Besiktas draws about seven yellow cards. <laughs> a lot of, yeah, maybe one red. Fair enough, yeah. <laughs> All right, um, let's just do, since you're here, so let's do predictions for the whole thing. Who do we think? Yes. Oh, sorry, for the whole competition. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. That's rough. Hmm. Well, this uh, is good radio. Uh, yeah, it's, hard, it's hard not to like Barcelona, uh, just because of what we've seen so far this year. Uh, they are at the top of the, for me, the best league uh, in Europe, and... I, I think I really like them. I mean, obviously, I want to say Liverpool, but I can't say Liverpool <laughs> because we have Dejan Lovren in the back. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go for a little bit of an out-there pick and say Bayern Munich. Okay. I'm going to go with Real Madrid three times in a row. Didn't you say they were going out? No, no I, I said they were going out. Oh, right, right, right. Okay. No. I'm going City. City. Sorry, who? I think City. Wow. Yeah, I think they're going to do it. Can't have it. I know you can't. All right. Well, in that case, we should we should part to them before this gets <laughs> violent. Before I throw some milk at you. <laughs> Sip, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. We hope you will come back. And uh, where can yeah. we find you on Twitter? At Asif in Toronto. I guess that makes sense. You yes. live here. I do live here. Yeah. Nice. All right, Roche. Yes. See you next week. I shall, and right. I'll see you next week as well. <laughs> yeah. TFC. All right, Bernie. Take care, man. Oh, thanks. (laughs) Have a good week, guys. See you. Thank you for downloading the Koshcast. Get in touch at underthekoshblog at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at under underscore the kosh. And for articles, predictions, and the full experience, go to underthekoshblog.com. (laughs) 